Simply because I want to talk about something that just made sense to me and I can't offer you anything more than the idea. I don't know what else to talk about this. But to begin with, how did the, the experiment go last week? What? <laughs>
And that's really what you're saying, is that wanting things to be a certain way was so valuable that you couldn't just say the way things are. It's really uh, what you're talking about is a question of value. I know I couldn't stop doing it. Yeah. So you learn something about self that's very interesting. It is not interested in anything other than its picture of the perfect world that it's trying to create. That's all it cares about. It has no interest in anything else, no matter what it says. When it says to someone, I love you, it doesn't mean it. When it says to someone, I'm interested in such and such, it doesn't mean it. Its only real interest is in creating a perfect world. That's all it cares about. Yeah, how about that? That's why I'm asking you about the seventh position. <coughs> Something's got to run interference with that. And there's something else in life that I can find interesting. Can you solve No, it's not. It has no power at all. Except the power of glamour. Seductive, now that I buy, but not powerful. That's like saying that someone that you lust after is powerful. Well, it's not them that's powerful at all, is it? It's your lust. If you didn't have that lust, they would have no power over you at all, that's would true. they? That's like saying alcohol is powerful. Right. Power so over it's me. <laughs> not powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> What's powerful is the fact that self still buys the illusion that if it were only this way, then I would be happy. And so the glamour, the, the glitter of the illusion of this perfect world, that's very desired. Well, that's why the work is so pleasant for a lot of people. <clears throat> because the work is about looking at that and saying, guess what? It's not true. What's not true that it's powerful? No. The glittering illusion that one is striving for, it's not true, it's an illusion. Even, even if life were that way, I still wouldn't be happy. It wasn't even, a lot of times it wasn't even a promise of anything, it was just, yes, it it just going on. Yes, it was. Yeah. It's always there. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Okay, what was being promised was completely irrational and nothing I consciously want anymore, you know? I mean, I was I was going over stuff that, you know, I was complaining about things. Over oh, stuff. 30 years old. I know. No, no, no that's, that's the way the mallards are. When they go nuts, they dredge up all sorts of old stuff. You did something or tried to do something, made an effort to do something, you did a little bit. But freaked them out. And so they pulled out everything they possibly could to upset you. 
almost did something real. <laughs> no, you bought the story behind the game. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <clears throat> Which is that if you do this, you'll lose that illusion. And it's what your whole life has been working for. I know I was very afraid. That's why I gave up. I was so fearful. Like, I can't let go of this. Now that's why I gave up. I just looked at it and said, I cannot do this. And I was just afraid to not keep doing it. It's been your whole life for a very long time to build this world. You're still working on it very, very hard. You have this perfect picture of the perfect world where everything will be perfect. And you're working very hard to create it. Yeah, and it was so scary to like let go of all that. Not that it's ever accomplished anything, but still to let go of all that effort. It's like, well, geez, what kind of world will I live in then? You'll never know. It might be much better. Yeah. Might be a hell. You'll never know. As long as you buy their illusion, you'll just never know. seeing that as an illusion possible. Uh, I think if I could stop being so afraid of everything, you know, it's like whenever I when I came up against trying to not do this, it was just scary. Like, I'll be completely defenseless in the world. That's misdirection. That's not even true. Hmm? That's misdirection. That's, that's not even true. What is it? That I was afraid? What you're afraid of. That's what the non-eyes always do. The fear is there, so they explain it away with things that are lies. Well, I know I was afraid. Right. But the explanation about what you were afraid of is a lie. You'd have to look yourself to find out what is really going on, not accept their stories. They always lie. It's not about being vulnerable and about, I forget the other word that you use, that's not them, I think, was that I'd never be loved. And it was like, you know, all this <coughs> shit going on in the head is about, like, being good enough, you know, being better. Mm -hmm. and, and if I ever stopped doing that, I'd never be loved. Mm 
So it's to build a world where you'll be lovable. So what would it take to see that as an illusion? Well, you know what kind of things you're doing to be lovable. I'm not asking you to say <laughs> out loud if you don't want to. Well, the doing is almost the hand. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so what would it take to see those things as an illusion? saying you don't have to say it out loud so I can't say what they are. Well, I, um, what to experience not being good enough? And not being good enough. Oh, okay. All the efforts to be good enough, not being loved, all the efforts to being loved so that I could experiment with them. I can't experiment with them when I can't even experience them. I can't find out whether or not they're factual or not if I can't experiment. So if a Maori says, you have to do this to be loved, then I know that's just part of what's what they're holding on to, okay? But we'll just use that as an example. <clears throat> you have to do this to be loved. You can't experiment with that if you're not free to experience being unloved. If you're not free to experience the whole effort. If they say something like that and you're free to try it out and play with it, you can find out if it's actually working. But if every time the feeling of being unloved comes up, it is so horrible that I can't even experience it, that all I can do is just sit and cry and feel really bad and sorry for yourself. But I can't, I can't ever even find out if their method of getting the love would work. Because I can't experiment with it to see if they're even telling the truth. So I got this whole list of things that you have to do to be loved. And you have no idea if they will work. 
Is there reasonable? Actually, I'm pretty good at it. It wouldn't work. Only intellectually. Well. If, if you really knew it, you wouldn't try anymore. See, it all just goes on in the head. I don't cry on the outside. That's my whole point. It's all intellectual. So there's no experience. It's not the experiment, but so it still has the glamour, the illusion. Because mm. at the heart of it is one thing that can never be experienced. I feel a lot. I'm not able to just sit and be in love or have that feeling because it's not true. Of when the feeling comes up, I don't experience it, I cry. That's not experiencing it. That's going into self-pity rather than feel unloved. The feeling of being unloved is not self-pity, something else. So when the feeling comes up, I switch feelings and I decide self-pity is terrible, it's horrible, I hate it, but it's better than feeling unloved. Unloved is one thing. Self-pity is me sitting and feeling bad because I feel unloved. Now I've added something else on top of it to distract myself from the actual feeling. for myself, I can complain, I can think about it, but I can't actually try anything, because then I'd have to admit that I feel unloved. Not just intellectually, but on a feeling level, I have to actually feel it. So, well, does this work? <coughs> if I do this thing that the not eyes tell me to do, does the feeling of being unloved go away?
think about them for a while. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. I'm just hoping to go into something that does. What's that? I'm hoping the next thing will make sense. Yeah, yeah. Right out of ways to say If you could tell me what part of it doesn't make sense, where where something I said just doesn't make sense. Same thing you said before. What? That the bit about if you cry, you're not feeling what you're feeling. You're feeling something else. And yet you would you agreed with me when I said that self pity and feeling unloved are not the same thing. Right. Then what's difficult about understanding that you change feelings if they're not the same thing? I guess you're making the assumption that if I cry, I'm feeling self-pity. That's where I don't buy it. What else do you feel? Sad. What does sad mean? It means that I'm feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. It means I'm either lost something, or I believe I'm going to lose something. I'm feeling sorry for myself for not having it. That's what sad is, is a form of self-pity. When you're feeling sad, what kind of thoughts do you have? Remember? The ones I told you, I don't want any others. Like what? Me to repeat me. Mm -hmm. remember. Or just say whatever you're going to say now. You don't have to repeat. Oh. Oh, what was I, um. I was actually asking about the thoughts, not the feelings. Because we've already. It turns out that we can't tell the difference between self-pity and sad. I mean, we think they're different. What, what were you thinking about while you were sad? What kind of thoughts went through that? think that you were feeling sorry for yourself because you wouldn't be loved? No. Yeah. I don't know what to say then. I understand the difficulty. <coughs> but I don't I don't know what to tell somebody who thinks that grief and self pity are different things. Once we've misidentified something, I don't even know what to say.
everything that people call sadness, grief, sorrow over loss, all that stuff is all about feeling sorry for yourself. About the only thing that I ever I would ever say is that about the only time that it's reasonable or possibly legitimate to do that is when someone leaves that you've become very fond of. And even then it's something that you do for a very short time. Because it is just feeling sorry for yourself that they left. At least it's somewhat legitimate. Every time I've ever looked at anybody who's playing the sand game, at the heart of it is, woe is me. And that's what's happening to this moment. Woe is me. That's what it's all doing. I don't have something or I don't get something. effort towards being aware of another presence. Did it work? No. Why would it? The last time I checked, every time that this has been discussed, it said that it's an invisible spirit that you cannot sense in any way, shape, or form. Well, isn't that kind of strange to try to be aware of something? To sense something, in other words, it can't be sensed? How could that possibly work? So you found a way to <laughs> occupy your time for a week without doing anything useful. In a very exhausting way, too. I, I really don't care what the quality of it was. It's just interesting to see that rather than doing something useful, you found a way to waste your time. And I do believe that last week was one of the weeks that I discussed the idea of wasting life's energy on fruitless and trivial pursuits. Isn't that correct? But you chose to do it anyway. Okay.
something else? At least perhaps you can see that, like, and not waste any more of the life force and doing stupid things that can't possibly have any result. No, it's just said, here, do this, and went off and did it. You didn't think about it or consider it. But now you know for yourself that it's true. There's no way to sense spirit. If you're going to find out that another spirit is there, you're going to have to do it some other way than sensing. That's what I've been saying for weeks now. Hopefully you'll use this experience to some use. Say, okay, I get it. Try another way. <laughs> what else came out of this little experiment? Does the silence mean you didn't do it? Okay. <clears throat> I remember we were supposed to look for obstructions to realizing our desires. I thought about that for a couple of days and I realized a lot of the obstructions come from inside myself. For instance, a lot of people think I'm rude or blunt. Sometimes I say the politically incorrect thing. It's cost me a couple of jobs. Well, I called up one of my old clients and we talked to them and got them back again. And I did indeed lose that account from being a jerk. We just shot for it today. I don't really think I fully figured out all the instructions, etc. But I thought about it and I used it. I went back to someone that I thought, oh no, no I don't want to call them up. Oh no, I'm too embarrassed. Oh, go ahead and do it anyway. It worked. <coughs> Are we supposed to do with obstructions to realizing our desires? I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> it was a useful thing for him to do, so who am I to say, you know? Just checking. <laughs> What's the obstruction for not being my nature? That sounds like something else. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, came out in, in my life. And, and it works, so. <laughs> yeah, I hate to argue. More. It wasn't exactly what I said, but who cares? His experiment, and he learned something from it. I think that's great. If I ask that question, I have to play the role of authority, you see. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I don't mind pointing out when people do things that are foolish, but that wasn't foolish. Who cares if it's what I said or not? <laughs> None of my damn business, is it? <laughs> what else, folks? Everything ends up having value. Um, if you consider that interaction, that has value, doesn't it? This is not an authoritative system. There is no authority here, no matter what it looks like. We want to see authorities, but there's no, no authority here. 
<clears throat> we assume that because the person playing the role of teacher often sits around making fun of things, that that's the only thing that he thinks. But that's not true either. It's just there's ample opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has value. If you want to do some experiment that interests you, then do that experiment. What else? I did something I don't understand. Well, what I... I, I was just laughing because I assume that's a fairly common yeah. thing for you, Mike. I'm not quite sure why you're telling us that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. Is funny. <laughs> yes. Um, I believe, well, I would shift my attention from one thing to another. not eyes that would come up with one if I was my attention was say shifted on that piano and I'm shifted to something else and the not eyes and I don't understand it would go away not go away but they would change change yeah, yeah. so I thought all along that the not eyes work by association this reminds me of an event in the past and it brings up a group of not eyes and all I know is whatever that, that group of not eyes tell me yeah. obviously that has to be based on what you're perceiving which not eyes come up what's not to understand it so basically what you're telling me is that you don't buy the teaching idea that says that the personality is just a set of not eyes each of which is a personality that knows only about one particular thing. You've never accepted that idea, you've never experimented with it, and you finally did something that made it absolutely obvious and you claim not to understand it because the teaching ideas have no value. I mean, twice you've said that tonight. You decided to do something that according to the teaching is absolutely impossible. Rather than doing it as an experiment to prove the teaching wrong, which would have been extremely useful, which is why I recommended that you do with this wasted experience that you had, was use it for something useful, like taking a teaching idea and saying, okay, I did something inadvertently that was designed to prove it wrong. I didn't know that's what the hell I was doing. I was actually trying to do something else. But now I can consider it. And so that was an effort to prove that teaching idea wrong, that an invisible spirit cannot be sensed and reevaluate your experience in light of something useful, like a true experiment, and get some value out of it. Well, you just did it again. But you're not doing it as a student, experimenting to prove one of the teaching ideas wrong, because you don't even remember the teaching idea you're dealing with. The teaching, uh, so far from Michael, really doesn't exist. It's all his interpretation of if you would just take these ideas and do exactly what you're doing but as an experiment to prove them wrong since it's what you want to do anyway you get tremendous value out of this do you understand? 
sitting there looking at the thing, like I just walked off a spaceship or something. <laughs> You get that twice. You come up with something that, based on two entirely different teaching ideas, is perfectly understandable. Except that you forgot the teaching ideas while you were doing it. So there's not a lot of value being put on the ideas. You take the ones that interest you and the rest of them you ignore and, and you fit the ideas into the framework of your current thinking. So anything that doesn't fit, you just throw it away. It doesn't fit the, the pattern of your thinking that spirit is an unsensible thing because you've had so many sensory experiences that you've interpreted as being spiritual, right? But to accept that idea means you have to question all this past history. You don't want to do that. So you just ignore that idea. It's inconvenient. And you fit things into your current pattern of thinking. <clears throat> and don't do experiments to disprove. Nobody asked you to believe. Okay, it doesn't fit your beliefs. Who cares? Nobody asked you to believe this. You were asked to prove it wrong. <laughs> okay? So anything that you look at and you say, I don't like that idea, then go prove it wrong. But you just discard it. That isn't going to work, Mike. Never in a million years. You can play this game for a million years, and it's not going to work. You're going to be exactly where you are today, with a new kind of conditioning about spirituality, it won't be that much different than what you've got now. And very likely the efforts that you're putting out will get your life a little more comfortable, and that'll be it. Teaching has a tendency to do that, to bring the life to a slightly higher level of comfort than it is now. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, it just happens. <laughs> That does not indicate that you ever understood the teaching. It means you've just hung around it for a while. And just being around it, that will probably happen to the one. It means nothing. It just means you hung around the real teaching for a while. It always has an effect on people. Really, for no effort, just affects you. I say these things unkind and rude as they are in the hopes that you'll see it and maybe be able to do this for yourself. Not to have to have somebody week after week after week remind you. But the next time you come up with some screwball thing you want to do, or you know, of course from your idea, it's not screwball. But the next time you come up with something you want to do, you might just consider it for a moment before you do it say, is there a way that I can do this as an experiment rather than as an effort to do, which is what all your crap is. You don't experiment in an attempt to disprove. You try to do something. And Michael, you can't. You don't have the ability to do it. 
do. You just don't want to buy that. So you go on playing this silly game. Okay, I think we have about enough emotion in this room for one little segment. Let's <laughs> take a short break and <laughs> see what our state is shortly. <laughs> Questions, comments, stuff. So the idea was to see if I could see what the obstruction was just being obedient to the nature the awareness function of X. <clears throat> and I suspect that there's really probably only a couple. So I'm just going to blap it out. One of them has already come up. <coughs> I don't know what to tell you about this except have to look at it and see what you want to do about it. Part of it is just very new to me, even understanding this. One of them I've known about for a very long time. <clears throat> the other one I don't know a whole lot about. I just saw it recently. One of them is the belief, or point of view, or attitude, or whatever you want to call it, that if that's all that I do, and I will not get what I want. And you have to fill in what you want. I don't know. Although I suspect that the one that came up tonight is extremely common. Just about everybody that I've ever met, including self, felt unloved. And wanted nothing more or so it's sad. Of course, that's not true. Because the only reason that I want to be loved is because then I believe I will have non-disturbance. It actually has nothing to do with being loved when you really look into it. I had to. I couldn't take it anymore. One day I just had to look into that subject. <laughs> and that's really the heart of it. Life is so disturbing. To be unloved on top of it is just unbearable. Maybe if someone loved me, it would be okay that it was disturbing. That pleasure would be so great. Because on the rare occasions when I do actually sort of feel good about what's going on between 
me and somebody else. I kind of forget that I'm in a bad mood and that things are disturbing me and it's all wonderful for a little while. <coughs> so that pleasure would be so great. Uh, and I would actually have a disturbance. That really is at the heart of that whole unloved thing. But it may not be that for you. It may be some other thing that you think would make life non-disturbing. If I were just aware, then I would be aware of the fact that I don't feel loved. I don't think I'll ever get such and such. I don't think I can. So it's all a bunch of stuff about what I cannot have or do. I just don't want to even deal with. Few times that that's what conditioning is. I put a condition on my willingness to live. Every single piece of conditioning, that's what it says. If this is so, then life is not worth living. So I complain to change it. I find what's to blame so I can change it. If it's someone else, then I try to please them so they'll stop doing that. I tell them how it ought to be according to the authorities so they'll change and on and on and on. But every single piece of conditioning says if this is true about life, then life is not worth living. <coughs> if I can't face that, that thing that's at the heart of all conditioning that says if this is true, then life is not worth living then I can never really look at the condition of kingdom. If I can't look at the thing that they've said, if this is true, then life is not worth living. Then I can never afford to completely look at the condition because I may discover that and then I'll kill myself. That's really at the heart of that whole thing, isn't it? Then life will not be worth living and I'll just stop wanting to live. <coughs> and the goofy thing is, <coughs> when you actually look at the heart of those things that they say, if, then life is not worth living about, it always turns out, at least it has for everyone I've ever worked with who actually did this, that they managed to find life worth living anyway. It's all a bunch of hooey. It really all comes down to, unfortunately, I wish it weren't this simple because it would sound much prettier and nobler if it weren't the case, but it all comes down to if life is this disturbing, I don't want anything to do with it. It's too painful to live. Something about life for me is too painful to experience. And it's just never true. There is no pain great enough that you can't live through it. It doesn't exist. People go through tremendously horrible pain sometimes, don't they? And they manage to get through it. There have been people who have lived with pain their whole lives, physically. 
tremendously terrible physical pain their whole lives, and they still managed to live through it. You can live through emotional pain, you can live through any pain. Life is still worth living even if you're in pain. But the lies have convinced you that that's not true. That some pains are too much to bear. And that you cannot live if those things are true. So there's always a limit to how much I'm willing to look at. I'll go so far and no further. Because if I go any further, I'll have to look at that basic thing that I've done, which is to say that if life is this painful, I don't want to live. And we're afraid that if we actually look at that thing and face it, then we won't want to live and we'll just commit suicide. So many people who do the work often have to face suicide. It's not at all uncommon. People get to a certain point and the not I start talking about suicide. And they have to look at the desire to just end it. So do I want to go on living or not? It's not uncommon at all. It's happened in this life a couple different times. Things got so unpleasant. Not I started talking about committing suicide. <clears throat> so you listen to him say, oh, you ought to just kill yourself. And you say, no thanks, maybe tomorrow. Doesn't sound like a fun idea to me. And their arguments all make sense at the time don't want to experience that much pain. So you put a limitation on how much you can actually see of what's going on. But you know what's at the heart of all of this. You know exactly what's at the heart of all of this. An unwillingness to live under these conditions. That's called being conditioned. So you live in a dream keep from ever admitting that the condition is actually here. You paint a lovely picture as best you can, and I know it's quite difficult and the picture doesn't always come out as lovely as you would like it to, but that is the effort to paint a pretty enough picture about what's going on that you won't have to say, this is not worth it. <clears throat> One of the primary reasons that people <coughs> leave here when they hear about the teaching and how stark it is, it just blaps the truth right out there in front of you. And we see people do that every now and again. They come in and some little thing just blam, they're off on it, and then they run as fast as they can is because they see very quickly where this is going. If I deal with this, I have to go right into the heart of my unwillingness to live. In other words, that little death wish psychology talks about. It's very true for all of us. All of us want to die. And we're working very hard to make that desire unnecessary. Right? 
by trying to create a very pleasant dream world and doing the best that we can to make it real so that we don't have to look at that condition that we put on living. So we spend a lot of time doing it just with fantasies in the head by thinking. And a certain amount of time trying to bring those fantasies about in the physical world. And then the teaching comes along and says, guess what? Struggling to make that illusion real is what kills the body. Now what the hell are you going to do? <laughs> Living in a fantasy in the head is not real satisfying. And then the teaching says that if you try to live the fantasy for real, it'll kill you. And that's supposed to be your effort not to kill yourself. Making your fantasy world true so that life won't be so unbearable and then you could afford to live. Weird, isn't it? But that's one of the biggest reasons why people will do only so much of the work. I've often spent, <coughs> excuse me, we should fix this a little bit next time we record. I'm doing such weird things with the voice, you better fix it soon. <coughs> I've spent a lot of time over the years trying to understand what made the work so necessary to this one as opposed to the way I see other people do it. And I do know that one of the differences is that I was aware of, of that fact. I did not forget that I decided that life was unbearable. Everyone else does. They forget. And it goes unconscious and they live in the habits of the mad eyes. And most people, they manage to paint such a acceptable dream that they have no necessity at all to look at anything. And so they live out a normal life and think that's fine. They struggle and they do the best they can and they're not the least bit interested in anything that isn't that normal life. They're truly dead because they've accepted that life is completely unbearable, that all they can do is live in an illusion of life. And they have completely died. There is nothing left of them except a lot of automatic actions in the body with a very small amount of an awareness left to keep things going. Vitality that they were born with just hasn't worn out yet. It will, but it hasn't yet. I never covered that up. I admitted that to me life was unbearable, that there were certain things about living that I just found unbearable. One of them is the prevalence towards violence that human beings have. I find that unbearable to experience. I don't like it inside of self. I really don't like it in 
oneself. It's bad enough living in a world full of violent animals. But then experiencing the fact that this animal wants to be violent as well. I just found unbearable. I could not live with that picture of self. That I would want sometimes to be violent. I rarely do it. But I want to. That's the way we're conditioned. But the personality wants to be extremely violent. If it's not hurting me, then it's hurting someone or something around me. It's just the way it is. That's the kind of animal that we live in. And I found that unbearable. I could not live with myself allowing that violence to go on, even in imagination. I just found that unbearable. And I found it unbearable living in a world where no one gave a damn about anyone but themselves. Those two things I just could not live with, and I never forgot that. I wasn't content to just live in a dream that people did care about each other and that we were actually good but occasionally had bad things slip out. I knew damn well that I wanted to do bad all the time. I had just been socially conditioned not to, thank God. Because I couldn't live with all the urges that I had to do terrible things. And I never forgot that. And I actually promised myself that at a certain age I would commit suicide if I hadn't found a way to do something about this. What for most people is a totally unconscious thing inside them, I just never forgot. So I had a tremendous necessity. I had to do this before a certain age, or I promised myself I would kill myself. I couldn't put it off. So I, I know that that part I've experienced. That's something I know very well from my own experience of living here. But that's one of the reasons that people don't look into the self very much. It's protecting them from something that they just don't want to deal with. That life is just unbearable. It's not, though. Now, understand that I live with this for 20-some years. I never forgot this. I never bought a dream that would make it okay. I dreamed. Oh, well, what did I dream? I'm not saying I did not do everything that everyone else does. But the dream did not include the idea that this was okay. Except for a very brief period of time when I went insane. <laughs> I know that you can do the teaching fully aware of that, and that if you use the teaching ideas, it will take you to a place on the other side that says, I was wrong. Even if this is the way that life is, it's not just bearable, it's livable in the full sense. 
I can experience all these things that really eat at the heart of me and see something of great value in the doing of it. I know that for a fact. Otherwise I would be dead today. I wouldn't be standing here. Because at 26 that decision came up. It came up so strongly that a friend actually stopped me one day as I was on my way to work and said, what is going on with you if you don't stop what you're doing? I don't know what you're doing, but whatever it is, you're going to end up dying. It was clear to people around me that I was close to committing suicide. And I had to answer that question. Did I find the thing that would make life bearable in spite of these things that are true? I wasn't lying and saying these things are not true because they are. Violence is at the heart of the conditioning. It's either hurting me or it's hurting you. That's all it does. For all that we dream that it's doing something else, the only thing the conditioning ever does is hurt me or you. That's it. And I never lost sight of that. <clears throat> and it's very clear to me that people don't care about each other. I see it all the time. But even when they do things that make it appear that they're caring about each other, it's always done for the purpose of giving them pleasure. They don't care. They're doing that thing because it makes them feel good, and it's quite often at the expense of the person they're supposedly caring about. It harms the one that they claim to care about, but it gives them pleasure. about the only time you ever see human beings do anything that isn't based on greed, which is what I didn't know it at the time, but that's what I was really upset about, was that greed ran everything that people did, is in an emergency. A true life or death situation, and all that just fall away, and people actually do things. Not everyone, you understand, but a few people actually forget for a moment to act out of greed. They're too busy surviving. And for a moment the conditioning just all falls away and they do things and we all paint lovely stories of it on TV and say, see, isn't life grand? We told you it was okay. People love those stories, don't they? Mm -hmm. Because all of us, I suspect, feel the same way. Life is not worth living when you live on, with, around greedy people all the time who don't care about you. I think that's really what's at the heart of this unloved crowd. It's not really about being unloved. I don't even know what the hell love is. It's just that I can't stand being around people who only care about their own pleasure all of the time. And even when they seem to be doing something for me, if I open my eyes a little bit, I realize it's not for me. That they don't even know I'm there. I'm just an excuse for them to get pleasure. The greed that we have problems with, I think. But then that's the way it is for me, so I assume it's that way for everybody else. Perhaps it's not for you. Maybe there's something else going on. <coughs> but I really, when you look at that, what that's basically saying is I can't live as a conditioned human being. Because that's at the heart of the conditioning, isn't it? Violence is everything that the conditioning does, and the violence is all based on greed. So really, 
That's, what we're saying is I cannot live a conditioned life. Well, that's what I finally figured out at age 26. That that's what I had really said. I cannot live if all that I'm doing is being the personality. If that's all there is. I can't live with that. It destroys the real part of me to live the way the personality says to live. It hurts incredibly and it's killing me. I can't live this way. So I'd rather just get rid of it now rather than waiting 70 or 80 years until it completely destroys me. And that's really what the, well, that is as far as I'm concerned. Well, then I said, okay, well, I have this thing called the teaching, and I've experienced enough of the teaching at this point that I know that there is a way to live without the personality. I haven't perhaps done it yet, but I know from what I have experienced that it's possible since I can get on. But it was a very traumatic experience. I had to look at everything that I was doing at the teaching and say, I'm not there yet, so I just have to guess. And I said, okay, I really get what's at the heart of this. I can't bear the experience of being trapped in this personality. Personality puts lovely pictures on everything, but it is not lovely. It has turned me into a horrible monster that dreams that it's pretty. By the dream. <clears throat> Maybe if we could <coughs> use that information and look at it a bit and say, is that the same for me? Is that what's bothering me so much? That I'm trapped in the personality, that's really what it comes down to. The Nadais give me all these stories about what really upsets me, and they're all lies. That what's actually upsetting me is that I'm trapped in the personality that is killing me, it is destroying me to live the way the personality says to me. The real part is destroyed by the lifestyle that the Nadais are creating. Say, well, then there's something that could be done now that I understand what the real situation is, you see. All the stories that the Nadais tell to explain it and justify it and make sense out of it and so on, I can't do anything with that. But if I see what's really going on, just this torment of being trapped and not being able to express me at all, only being able to express violence that's based on greed. And I can say, then there's a way out. I can face this. If I can just use the teaching enough to see that it leads to a way out, whether I've taken the way out or not, because that's where I was at 26 when I said I got it. I either have to say I'm on the way or die. Thank God I didn't say I had to be there yet. <laughs> and I looked at what the teaching had already and what it was said that it could do, and I said, I'm on the way. I can look at anything. Because the only thing I really care about, I can take care of. It's called the teaching ideas. 
no place in, in here that I cannot look and see what's going on because I've already seen the worst hell there is. Being a horrible monster and being able to do nothing about it except dream that I'm not. After that, who cares? Nothing, nothing could be, in my opinion, worse than that. assist when we come to moments when we just can't look anymore. Maybe we could then look at that and say, what's really going on here? Behind all the lies that the non-eyes are telling me and the distractions and the explanations and the justifications, all of which are not true, what's the heart of this? It's funny, when you look at the real thing that's going on, it's handleable. It's the lies you can't handle. That's obvious. I mean, what do you do about a lie other than call it a lie? You can't do anything about it. It's just a story. <laughs> Any questions? Make sense to an idea? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know it's stark, but I also know that if you just face it. It can be dealt with a lot easier than the lies that you're trying to deal with. Let's say that you, that the personality is you, and that all these feelings and so on are unexperienceable, so you'll buy their attempts to protect you from them. You don't need to be protected. I really suspect that you'll find the same thing that I did when you look at the heart of this. What it's really about is you cannot stand, you cannot live with the fact that you've been conditioned. And that you're conditioned just like everybody else in a way that is just horrible from the point of a real loving being. say, okay, then what there is to do is to work so that one day that will not be the case. But never forget that, what you're doing, what your motivation is. That is a very strong seventh decision, isn't it? I see that I'm trapped inside a personality that does everything. Everything that it does is motivated by greed and acted upon by violence. I want to be that way. There's this incredible thing on planet Earth called the teaching ideas that show you the way out. The way out, unfortunately for us, because we would prefer it were another way, is to see the truth that free you. We would like it to be some little method that you could just do over and over again like every other spiritual path promises. <laughs> Except I noticed that the people that use those methods don't get out. 
you spend 10 or 20 years doing that method over and over and over again. Sorry, an example. A couple of them just come into the head that you don't know the people. It would take too long to tell the stories. <clears throat> okay. You kind of get that idea? There's another one. That one I have certainly seen, as I said. Because that's been at the heart of this person. Making an effort to deal with that. Hello. Not tonight, sorry. Thank you. Oh, that's all right. Mister. All evil. I wish someone taught him to be polite. That's unusual in kids these days. It's the nice thing about living in a neighborhood people who come here from somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> don't know that they're not supposed to be playing. The kids are taught to be playing. <laughs> okay. Before I talk about the other one which just came to me, because this is not a part of this one's experience. Why don't we take a little break? Consider that for a bit. Okay, so now that the Nadais have managed to regroup, any questions or comments? <laughs> I guess Laura? Mm -hmm. well, you had one you hadn't quite formulated yet. Oh, no, my question is, what did you say that I didn't write down? But <laughs> that's too big a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we take it. The other thing that has sort of come a possibility for explaining folks' behavior <coughs> is that I suspect very strongly that you do not think there is anything real behind the shadow play. Kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Big show going on. Except you're terrified that somebody will pull the curtain and there will be nothing there. <laughs> that is a strong suspicion based on behavior. You don't see anything real. There is no real eye. There is no awareness to be in relationship with this odd thing called X. But see, that's what's real in this whole show, isn't it? Not the personality, which is just a big show used to hide a tremendous lust and to protect you from the awesome, fearful pains. It's just a big shadow show. What's real is the awareness function that it acts. Even the body is not real. It's just an illusion. 
all done with mirrors. I say that a lot as a joke, but that is a fact. It is all done with mirrors. <laughs> what? I've shown that one. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even know you are in a body there for a second. <clears throat> Sounds funny, but that is actually the truth. Part of the personality that I've come to like, which of course, depending on whether you live by survival or justice, that will be entirely different. If you're a survival type, then perhaps you like the sticker up for rights, not eyes. You think that your willingness to stand up for yourself is the real you, to be assertive about what you want out of life try to get it. That's the real you. And all the rest of the not eyes are just interference. They're what create conflict with what you know you really should be doing. <coughs> it's probably fairly easy when you first get into the teaching to see what it is that you think is real because it'll be that not eye that you never can see. Out of the six, it's the one that you just can't see. You just never see it coming up and offering suggestions. Remember that? If you've been around for a while, and you used to look at the self and say, how come I can't see that not I? I can see all the rest of them, but I hardly ever see examples of that one. You remember which one that was for you? Huh? It's still coming up now. I see. <laughs> because that's the real you. That's the part that you've learned to like. And I suspect for those who live by 
justice, there has to be something on that side, like perhaps decision number five. Well, that's such a wonderful one, the always working to, that's the real eye, the one that's always working to approve, or maybe it's three. The one that's always nice. And those lovely things. Why, if I could only do that, then I'd be real. It's both, I don't know. Maybe if you live on the just or the survival side, it's two and six. Maybe it's one. <clears throat> but I think that with very little effort, as long as you haven't been playing this game too long, you can see what you think is real. And if you have been playing it for a while, maybe you can remember when there was a particular knot-eye that was hard to see. That's where you've decided that something real lies. Because you don't really believe there's anything real here. So you had to find something. And unfortunately, that's a huge blind spot, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, it means I can never look too closely at what's going on. Because then I'd see that this is just a lie. This is not real. This is just part of the self. people do that all the time, setting aside a part of the self and not looking at it, and believing that this is real. These are the real thoughts. This is the real me thinking. This is the real I. <clears throat> and I strongly suspect that the willingness to do that, which has never made sense to me, I've never been able to figure out what would motivate that behavior, even though I see it all I suspect that it's because you think there's nothing real there. The real things cannot be sensed. And I have reminded you quite repeatedly that we are very bound up in the sensory system. The only thing that is real is that which I can sense. I'm completely identified with the body, even though I know that I'm not the body. I really don't know it, because I take what the body is experiencing completely, deadly, seriously. <laughs> if it cannot be sensed, then it's not real. Now, oddly enough, I suspect it's the other way around. <laughs> if it can be sensed, it is not real. <laughs> real has an actual definition here. Did you know that? That's a technical word around here. Real means that which creates. You cannot sense that which creates. You can only sense that which it created. And that's not real. So I really mean what I just said. I think it's the other way around. If you can sense it, it's not real. It's something that the real has created. We cannot sense that which creates because that's an invisible spirit that creates in this physical universe but is not physical itself. 
so you're looking with the senses for what cannot be sensed. And so you're terrified that it doesn't exist. So you take a small part of the creation and say, that's the real part. So you won't have to deal with this underlying fear that the reason you can't sense it is because it's not there. <laughs> Maybe you can't sense it because you can't sense it. This universe is an illusion. It's an illusion. <laughs> the senses are designed to maintain the illusion so that you can act out this game. The game has value, not the illusion. It's just without the illusion, you couldn't even play this game. You wouldn't buy it for a second. You just would not buy it for one second if you saw things as they are. You'd just laugh. Say, I'm not doing this game, it's dumb. <laughs> so you live in a body that maintains an illusion. An illusion of motion, where nothing is moving, never has never will. <clears throat> An illusion of objects. There are no objects in this universe. Did you know that? They don't exist. But we have a set of senses that perceive such a small fraction of reality that it appears that they exist. On purpose. So we can play this game together. If you saw what was really here, this game would just become funny. And you couldn't play. You'd forget the rules. Literally, that's what would happen. You would just forget what the rules are of the game. So the senses of the body that you live in are designed to maintain the rules. So you can play. You can't sense what's real. It's impossible. The physical form just cannot do it. It's designed to sense in the way that you know and love. No other way. senses are all designed to sense the change in energy that happens around us. They cannot sense the motionlessness that's at the heart of everything. They literally cannot do it. There is no way for them to do it. You don't have to take my word for this, by the way. You can study this in any good physiology book. They talk about the way the senses work. There is a lot known about this now from the efforts of science. And that is well known. That's the way the senses work. That each, each sense picks up the change in a wave of energy that's coming at you. The whole point of energy is it travels in a wave. 
wavelength has a frequency or a wavelength and has a certain amplitude determines how much energy it has in what particular part of itself because actually everything has exactly the same amount of energy it's just the way the shape of the wave that makes it look different it makes us perceive it different actually everything is exactly the same but the senses don't see that they're designed to perceive <clears throat> these waves of energy and interpret them in a certain way as objects and all the things and light and all these things that we deal with as human beings you cannot see what is real it can be experienced but not through the senses so I think that's what folks have decided, that because they cannot sense anything real, all they can see is what the teaching has described as illusion, the self. <clears throat> There's a decision made that there may be nothing real here. Everyone else may have a real high but me. I was born without one somehow. <laughs> and so we pick something and say this is what's real so we don't have to deal with that terrible sense of insecurity and fear well what if I do all this and I find out I don't have a real eye everyone else does but me <coughs> not having experience this. I don't know what to offer about it. I can only just say this is an observation that has been made. I don't even know if it's true. It's something you'll have to find out for yourself. I know of no way to really test this other than to spend a certain amount of time observing people from this point of view and see if I find a contradiction. So far it's just a theory for this one, a hypothesis to explain the behavior that to this one cannot be explained. There is no hypothesis that, other than this one that can even begin to explain. I did that. I remember doing it. And the reason I remember doing it is because I noticed and said how stupid it was. I don't see people doing that. That, that means you've got to be willing to look at it anyway. I mean, sure, there was a part of this personality that I really liked, and I thought, well, that must be the real line. But then when I actually looked at it, I said, well, that's just a decision that was described by the picture of man. That can't be the real line. point of view, then what is it 
that wants to go against the master decision, whether it can or not. If there's nothing real there, then what even wants to do that? Nothing in the self could ever want that. What is it that wants to do the work? No matter how well somebody's doing it or not, what is it that wants that? Nothing in the personality could want to do the work, could it? personality can hear about this stuff and say, oh yeah, that's what I want to do. Slow painful suicide. Huh? Slow painful suicide. <laughs> exactly. And its entire motivation is to avoid pain. So something keeps wanting this. No matter how well it's actually expressing in action. Something keeps wanting this. What is that? There's got to be something real behind all of this. So that's another thing that perhaps I could just consider. What is wanting this? I may not be able to ever answer that in words, which is what I kind of like, or have a feeling which would make it real to me. But I can maybe see the contradiction that the self couldn't possibly want to do this. It would not keep coming back week after. Especially with the kind of abuse it gets from Phil. <laughs> it just wouldn't do it. So there is something real there. You don't need <laughs> to pretend like a part of the personality is what's real. There is something real there. it would be worthwhile to just consider that for a while and see if perhaps this is an obstruction for self. One of the reasons why I set aside a certain part of the self and say, never look there. And just say, what difference does it make? <laughs> That's not where the real is. There is something here real. So I don't need to protect self. The real part will be just fine if I go ahead and look at that part of the personality. It'll probably be overjoyed at doing it. <laughs> One less tyranny. That's what the self is to the real life, just a tyranny. You've got to do this, you can't do that. I'm going to make you miserable if you don't go along with me. It's just a terrible tyrant. I'm going to be one less tyrant telling me what to do all the time. 
the one that I don't look at is the worst here if there is, because I have to do that just to feel good about myself. I have to do that. If I don't do that, and of course sooner or later some thought I was going to come along and do something that contradicts it, right? That's the nature of the beast. Then I feel terrible about me. But it wasn't me. Either way. Doing it or not doing it. I want to get behind this whole shadow play, this puppet show, and find the puppet master. Not pick a puppet. <laughs> so on the possibility that this hypothesis is correct, and maybe you can work with a bit and tell me I'm just full of malarkey on this one. But maybe next week you can tell me something about this from your experience. You can experiment with it a bit, and then maybe we can find some way of doing something, but I don't even know what to offer other than what I just said at this point in time. Something has to want this disturbance called doing the work. That's the only thing I can think to offer. Because the self would never do something this disturbing if there wasn't some force. Now, I agree that the self brought you here but the self isn't what keeps you here. <laughs> it brought you here hoping for non-disturbance, of course. You very quickly discovered it wasn't going to get it, but there was another real thing inside that said, I know this isn't what you want, but guess what? This is what I've been looking for all my life. <laughs> We're staying. <laughs> <laughs> That's really an accurate description. The thing that keeps you coming back is not the self. The self has already realized it's not going to get what it wants here. In fact, it's going to get a lot of disturbance. So that thing that keeps you doing this and wanting to do this week after week after week is what's real. And I don't think you're going to find that that's not I. <laughs> Decision number five will sometimes pretend to do the work. You will find that many, many times. That you pretend to do it as an act of self-improvement to make yourself better. But if you're honest, you'll realize that every time five did it, it wasn't actually doing anything at all. It was just thinking. It wasn't observing. It was painting a lovely dream. That's what the self would do with these ideas. Paint a lovely dream of all that it's doing and seeing. They never see anything. In fact, does that a lot. Okay. Any questions or comments about that? I hope I made it clear, because like I say, since this isn't exactly from this one's experience, it's just kind of hypothetical to me. So <laughs> I not have made it as clear as I could have. It's clear. It's clear, okay.
that's the only thing I can say is just take a few moments during the week to remind yourself what's going on, to question what keeps me doing this. That's what's real. Would I do this if there weren't something real that could have some effect on the machine? I mean, that's the amazing thing on top of it. The other thing we talked about earlier is feeling powerless in the face of this incredible machine that's doing terrible things. And yet, just by coming here, we're proving that we're not completely powerless. The machine would never come here. And you notice how some people have real trouble doing it. <laughs> they have trouble getting here every week. They come every so often when they just can't. In other words, when the real eye just says, I can't take it anymore. I've got to do something and then they come here. And in the meantime, other things come up that are much more pleasurable or much more disturbing that have to be dealt with. So some people don't have enough will to even be able to come here once a week, much less do very much. You obviously have some ability to affect the machine because the machine would not come here on its own. This is not what it wants. It does not want you to know that it is not all powerful. <laughs> It would not come here. Whatever it is that keeps you doing the work, no matter how often you do it, that keeps you coming back here every week, that's what's real. I don't think you'll be able to put that in words. But I think if you look at that, you'll see that it is not a part of the personality. In fact, that's one of the ways that you can tell, because it can't be put in words. It can only be experienced. But you can't describe it. Well, that sort of tells you it might be real. can't be put in terms of this physical universe, which is an illusion. <laughs> All of our words are used to describe created things, which are not real. They're actually an odd illusion. Real things we cannot describe. Questions? You have some idea of things you can do with these ideas? All, all I can really offer is that you just consider them for a while. You, you get them to be something that your attention is focused on, something that take you off of these fears that say, I cannot pay attention. And bring these things to the attention a bit. Right? make the fear seem a little less frightening. I know when I was um, <clears throat> very early on doing the work, there was a tremendous amount of fear, just tremendous fears of all different kinds. And, um, 
that's basically what I did, was uh, that it may be frightening, but nothing can be as bad as what I'm actually experiencing, which is being trapped in a personality that I don't even like. <laughs> about the sphere thing. Yeah. I was thinking, well, you know, when I come up against like letting go of the illusion, it's so scary that I, is there any value in just sort of tricking yourself and saying, well, I'll do it for a week and then I can have it back? Sure. Just to have the experience? Sure. Yeah? Sure, why not? Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> I've told the that several times. <laughs> oh, just give me a little slack. You can always do it again in a few days. Okay. But just just give me a few moments. Yep. <clears throat> We're just telling, oh, come back tomorrow and I'll do it then. Okay? <laughs> I'm busy right now. I won't forget you. If you come back tomorrow, I'll talk to you about it. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> this is today. I asked you to come back tomorrow. <laughs> I like that trick. They believe in time. They believe there's a tomorrow. I know there's not. I've always lived in now, today. I've never been in tomorrow. Ever, 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 ever. Tomorrow has never come yet. I've never lived in the past. I have never once been in the past. I've always been now. Well, they believe in all this crap. They believe there's a past. They believe there's a future, you know. So you, they're actually stupid enough to buy it. Okay, tomorrow. <laughs> I come back again tomorrow and you say, this is not tomorrow. They're stupid enough to buy that for a really long time. Takes, they are so stupid, it takes them a long time to catch on. You're never going to admit it's <laughs> They're really dumb. <laughs> yeah, don't fight with them. Whatever you do, don't fight with them. That's smart them. They know violence in and out. You will always lose if you try to fight with them. The real part of us doesn't understand violence very well and certainly doesn't like it very much. The only reason we're even willing to argue and fight with them is because we learn from them. Well, have you ever heard the saying that the pupil never exceeds the master? Hmm? You'll never be as good at violence as they are. You're learning it from them. They'll always know one more trick that you just haven't learned yet. But if you fight with them, you lose. Outsmart them. So I think that's a wonderful idea. <laughs> Anything else before we say goodnight? I think. <laughs> you
you heard me thinking that. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> okay.